Hello, my podcast family, and welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we do what? We look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. That's what we do. <laughs> Today, our scripture comes from the first book of Peter, the second chapter, verses 21 through 25, and it reads, For you have been called for this purpose, because Christ also suffered for you, leaning, leaving you an example so that you would follow his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being abusively insulted, he did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body up on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. For you were continually strained like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is a rich text, don't you think? Rich in that it provides several nuggets of Christ as our Savior and we as sheep and the example of what the shepherd expects of the sheep. Now, I'm sure you can see the connection of Christ as our Savior, right? Because the very last verse, verse 25, talks about us being led astray and then returning to the chapter. The very first verse, 21, talks about Christ, right? So he is establishing him as our shepherd and we as our sheep. We have the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the early believers and unlike his contemporary Paul Peter doesn't um, state the name of the church that the letter is is going to is this it's almost as if there's not a particular church in mind Um, but hindsight there has to be right so if you look at the first book of Peter he actually addresses it to several young churches in Asia Minor and then he ain't names them and that's the first book and then in the second Um, book it's kind of like a continuation I believe he's writing to the same group of of people but you know Paul wrote to the church of Rome wrote to the church in Ephesus Peter is writing to a bunch of churches here so I don't know if they circulated the letters amongst themselves or what but the thing that matters to us most is we have it now in the Bible the first verse states that we have been called for a purpose And I'm not sure how many of you believe that. Do you believe that you are here because God has a purpose for you? Some people discover their unique purpose early in their lives. Others later. And sadly, others never seem to find it. They don't know that they have one. I believe many people are just living on autopilot. Here we discover that we have a purpose that it's been designed for us. I want to be clear though, there are two types of purposes. There's the unique individual purpose that we each have, and then there's the collective purpose of the body of Christ. Both exist. And I believe the individual purposes that we each have support or should undergird the purpose of the collective body of Christ. Think about it. If we're all serving in God's unique design that he has for our lives, lives that reflect his glory, whether you are a carpenter, artist, homemaker, computer programmer, 
your life, the way that you live your life is the testimony to God. People will see this and then they'll seek God that leads them to the body of the collective. Now we know within the body of Christ we're fragmented, but I'm talking about in an ideal situation, this is what it would look like. What is the purpose that Peter is telling us that we're called to? He points us to Jesus, not only his life, but the suffering he endured as he was led to the cross. From my, from my New Testament class that I'm taking, remember I'm in seminary. Um, we are now in the Gospel of Mark this week. And my professor, Dr. Oak, one of the um, videos that she had us watch was a sermon by Dr. Brian Blunt titled, Get Your Hands Dirty. And he speaks to our not wanting to embrace what Jesus endured that opened up the door to our salvation. In other, other words, his suffering. As with everything, we as flawed human beings, we like to go from one extreme to the next. So we have those who are in the body of believers who believe that suffering is everything and then set about to inflict their own suffering on themselves. And then you have the other side of the camp that is more of a prosperity approach and believe that everything is to be roses and unicorns. Both are extreme. Both are inaccurate, in my humble opinion. I believe we are here to be a steady presence of God's goodness. That's what our lives should be attesting to. Not that they're perfect, but that when we fall and fail, when we come and go, when Jesus has to come out and bring us back because we're lost, that it still gives him the glory, that he comes and he rescues us, that he allows us the freedom to make mistakes. We're not supposed to seek out the suffering in life because it's going to come on its own. And each person, we will have our share of suffering and it will be different. The suffering can be anything that you have to make a decision on that doesn't, um, and it, it, it's not because of the relationship that you have with, um, with Christ. It's, it's because it's life. And so suffering is anything that you may have to say no to your flesh because you know that it wouldn't be honor, wouldn't bring glory and honor to the Lord. And this is what crucifying your flesh means. While your flesh suffers for a while, if we continue to live in this discipline, after a while it, 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 will, it won't be as hard. There's that kind of, you know, suffering. People would consider that minor. But I also believe that caregiving is a type of suffering that we can endure for Christ. And I know people don't like to look at it this way, but it is. Because listen, he saw fit to enlist you and me in this season of caregiving because of our love for him. And he knows what we're capable of and his love for our loved ones. So he put us there. And I, that's something that you should hold on to when you're struggling, that God has put you there but in putting you there there may have been something that you had to let go of in order to be a caregiver right and so that's a suffering when you put your dreams your ideals your plans on hold and I think we talked about this in another episode in season one it's 
it's like a type of dying to yourself, a type of suffering, that you're willing to do this because you recognize that this is where God has placed you right now. Another type of suffering is someone who may have a wayward child, teenager, young adult, and you've tried everything to try and help them to reinforce you know, better decision making. But there's something inside you, which is the Holy Spirit that tells you, okay, you've done enough. Now you need to step back and allow God. Allow them to make the mistakes of the choices. That's a kind of suffering when you're watching them making mistake after mistake again and again. But the entire time you're on your knees and you're trusting God. I believe all of that is a type of suffering. And then, of course, there's the physical suffering that many of our sisters and brothers are experiencing in other areas of the world. Discrimination, torture, and death because they're Christians. See, sometimes the the suffering isn't necessarily because we're Christians. It's just life. But when we think about the spiritual realm, maybe it is. But whatever we're experiencing... We're supposed to remember who we are. Peter, Peter paints the picture of what Jesus endured so that we won't take our salvation for granted. And then not to be so put off or question God every time something difficult occurs in our lives. Like I did with caregiving. <laughs> Christ suffered and we are to expect that there will be suffering in our lives. The Holy Spirit laid this on my heart several years ago when I first started taking care of mom. I'd be in the middle of my complaining. Yes, complaining. And then all of a sudden, it's like I would remember God watched his son die on the cross. The first time this happened to me, I thought, where in the world did that come from? And I went on complaining to the Lord. You see, I'm a little dense because I'm a sheep, right? Took me a couple of times, but... But then I started recognizing God was telling me, I need you to be quiet, in a sense. Because what I'm asking you to do isn't as difficult as what I did for you through my son, Jesus Christ. And I was like, okay. I was complaining about watching the disappearance of my mom. But once I really thought about God watching his son take on the sin of the world, realized I really didn't have any right to complain and that I'd be able to endure this through his strength. Another time the Holy Spirit started speaking to me (laughs) is when I would be speaking bad about a person. You know, such and such makes me sick. I think they're so dumb. And not really gossiping to others. Once again, I'm talking to the Lord. Call me crazy. I am. But I'm talking to him bad about somebody that he created. Shows you I'm a sheep. Well, I started hearing Christ died for them just as he died for you. Ooh, that was a stab in the heart. What I realized in that moment, that didn't take me real long, was no one is any better than anyone else. That I have nothing over anyone else. That Christ died for all of us. And since he died for all of us, who am I to criticize other people? You know, just really speaking really negatively or bad about them. Can't do that anymore. Which is what the last verse, I believe, in 25 is saying. That we were all lost sheep. We didn't 
know we had a shepherd. We didn't know we were lost and that the door of sin had us separated from our shepherd and restricted our ability to serve in the purpose he created us for. But each of us heard the voice of our shepherd, praise God, and we responded. And now we will never forget what he endured in order for us to be free in him. The expectation that your shepherd has for you and for me is that we will seek him and allow him to reveal his unique purpose for us as we live out collectively the purpose of living transparent lives that bring honor and glory to him. Let's pray. Lord, we recognize that we like to gloss over what you actually went through in order to bring us right here this day as we have the privilege of calling you Father and kneeling at your throne. That it wasn't something easy. The Gospels attest to that as you, our Savior, were kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane asking the Father if there was another way. It wasn't easy for you. And help it to not be easy for us to disregard it. Not that we always need to just have this suffering mentality, but that we just realize that the privilege that we have to call you Father cost our Savior his life. And so then, in remembering that, Lord, help us then to not be so quick to complain to you when we experience heartache, hardship, pain, suffering, recognizing that you aren't bringing it to us as punishment, but that it's life and that you have allowed it into our lives to help shape us, to bring us closer to you, to reveal who you are, not only to us, to our loved ones, but to those around us. Remind us that you always have a larger plan in store. And if we would just trust you, that you still end up taking care of us. Forgive us for being small-minded, for being sheep. Thank you for your love. I ask, Father, that you speak to each and every person's heart, revealing your unique plan for them. Help them to know that you love them today. And give them the grace that they need and the mercy for today. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day today and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.